I'm Kennedy, and you're listening to the I Care Too Much podcast. Says, and this is my third wife. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That is that is the theme of bourbon time tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I don't want I don't want to roast that man like that in front of people, but you know, no, no. Well, but it's kind of inevitable. Also, <laughs> someone needs to get our bourbon tomorrow, and I vote that it's Jake. Oh, is Jacob here? Jacob's supposed to bring uh some. He didn't bring something back from Kentucky or something. Did he bring stuff from Kentucky? He he mentioned it the little few days he was back before yeah. the honeymoon. So right. we right, got right, right. we're gonna follow up with that. Yeah, I know that needs a follow up. We're gonna ping. <laughs> we're gonna ping. Jeffro. Hello, hello. Jethro. <laughs> How you Broseph. doing? How you doing, my brother? Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Jeffro, this is Anna Palmer. This is one of my bestest, bestest co-workers and friends. Oh, She's awesome. We sit next to each other. Yes, and, we do. Uh, yeah, she's producing the show, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I yeah. didn't know it, but apparently I did. So she's adding segments. She coordinated the interviews for the la- for this one and the last one we did with the therapist. And uh, yeah, man, it's dope. Oh, that's yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm having a great time. Yeah, we were just talking about work stuff. Work. Oh stuff. man. Yeah. Work stuff. Work yeah. Stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Lopez that... should be joining us soon. I hope she's not having technical difficulties, but uh Um she did mention she had a um like a child switch. What did she say? Kid kid transition. Uh, okay. So like transferring the kids. Oh okay. yeah, I just I just had a little bit of that too just now. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Action How many Jackson. kids do you have, Jethro? How many? Yeah. Three? You've got three. Yeah, I got a whole boatload. How old are they? They're all four. (laughs) What? They're all four? Yeah, they're all four. That's another episode. Yeah, that's another episode. episode Me and this guy are going to really sit down and dig into that one. Yes. I have so many questions, or maybe I just have three questions. Okay, shoot. Well, no, I was saying one because you have three kids. Um, oh, okay. But, oh, that... <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's wait, funny. so are they triplets? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can you can call them triplets. I mean, in, 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 in... <laughs> <laughs> no, let me let me let me spare you the suspense. They, um, they're. About seven months apart. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just had a Y'all real. Have to tell me if I can keep any of this for. <laughs> uh, you know, we can. This is good content, right? I here. mean, it's oh funny. yeah, no, you can. Yeah, you can. 
the sheer shock of it is 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 enough to keep. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, hmm. How do I ask the so the questions that I have? Oh no, I'm very open about it. So you know, yeah. Any question you have, I I don't mind answering. That's cool. I'm kind of like that too, like openness wise. Yeah. Anna Palmer and I have some great conversations. Look, yeah. Doc, Dr. Lopez. Hey, how Dr. are you? Dr. Lopez. Dr. Lopez. <laughs> wow, it's a fun group. How's it going? <laughs> good. How are you, you guys doing? Very well. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on this uh, with us. We really appreciate this. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be here. I'm looking forward to a good conversation. Word. I'm sorry your uh your laptop, the nicer mic didn't work for you, but you sound great. Okay, cool. You know what the secret is? Are you guys all sitting in your walk-in closets that are carpeted? <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Wait, let me get in my closet here. Did you know that? No. I mean, no, I didn't. Well, no, I, did, I, I didn't know about the closet. As a studio? Yeah, the, the smaller the space and the more padded, the better the sound will be. All right, hang on. And some people actually go under their bed covers because it's like that insulated sound that'll make it sound really tight. I'm about to make I'm about to make a fort. No, I'm, right. <laughs> I'm about to make a fort out here. I just got I just got in my closet, y'all. Is it better? You gotta um, say something. I, I, I'll say, Anna Palmer, I, I really want you to come out the closet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess I've been in the closet long enough. <laughs> I'm coming out. Okay. <laughs> so, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you uh, for listening and tuning in to the I Care Too Much podcast. We got another special one. And I absolutely, absolutely have my brother on the phone. Yes, yes. Bro. I'm back. I'm What's back. good, bro? Nothing, man. How you doing? I'm uh, feeling great, man. I also have our producer slash co-host, Anna Palmer, on the phone. Hey, hey. <laughs> and we are keeping with the theme because it is Mental Health Awareness Month, mm-hmm. May. Uh, 2019. We have a very special guest who has agreed to join us, and she is charging us by the minute. So we're gonna get. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Here. I didn't know. I'm gonna send you a bill. Well, this is this will be a short episode. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Julie Lopez. Give it up for Dr. Yes. Julie. <laughs> Great, thank you. Yeah. Now, she's a licensed therapist and uh, just an awesome person. From I've met through email so far, but. Uh, she kicks ass. Let's just put it that way. In therapy, uh, her niche is oh, implicit memory, which we're going to dig into that. <laughs> I, I want that okay. to be part of your working vocabulary after tonight. Yes, implicit absolutely. memory. I love it. Yeah, you can drop a little implicit memory bomb and people will be like, wow. <laughs> Yo, I'm going to say that, that so I can sound from? a little smarter. <laughs> right. Look, here. I'm going to take this to happy hour. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, she's also a trauma specialist, uh, with, and she owns the Viva Partnership, which is okay. a mental health services and postgraduate clinical training uh, known as the Mental Health Center. Uh, is that correct, mm-hmm. Dr. Dr. Lopez? Something like that. Yeah, okay. it's basically mental health services and trainings for professionals. Okay, it's and kinda. she also uh, sponsors this awesome project called the Resilient Brain Project, which myself uh, and Anna Palma, we took an identity chart and we filled it in today, which was very interesting. Oh, cool. Uh, so we're going to get to that, too. Um, but Dr. Lopez, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how you got into therapy and all that good stuff. 
Yeah. So believe it or not, um, I am a Washington, D.C. native. Woo! Hey, yeah? Hey. Yeah, absolutely. Where were you born? Where were uh, you so born? I was born. I'm a Howard University Hospital baby. Providence baby. Awesome. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was born in Philly. Oh, okay. but all right. I came back. I came back. About, <laughs> my parents, my parents were all born in, in D.C. General. Oh, and wow. I, I came back to the city when I was about three months old. Oh, so, uh-huh. we'll call you a native. Yes, Absolutely. I yeah, I'm... we'll claim you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, I um, I actually how did I get into therapy? Well, I first got my first degree in engineering, believe it or not. Mm. And I know, right? And then I worked for a few years and just felt called to go back and work in an area where I felt like I'd make more of a difference for people. And Mm -hmm. I think a piece of that actually comes from my very early life and my own investment in my own therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was actually conceived by two teenagers and was given up for adoption and spent a few months in an orphanage. And then I was adopted into my family. Um, so a piece of my journey, when you talked about um, doing your identity charts, sure. um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot in there for me. But I think ultimately a lot of people who go into this profession are on are kind of on a journey anyway to to learn about themselves and to do their own healing. And so it's been awesome. I've been practicing for 25 years now and and I love what I do. That's amazing. I mean, just to to come from, I guess, uh, unfortunate background and then to use that to help others. I think that's amazing. That's impressive impressive to me. Thank you. Yeah. So it's been a great ride. As a trauma specialist, I'm I'm assuming it, it sounds like you've experienced a sort of trauma from having, you know, teen yeah. parents. I mean, do, have you interacted with your parents at all? Yep, I'm in um, I'm in reunion with both of them. Well, kind of. My mother for sure for uh, more than half of my life. Oh, dope. Um, okay. And then my father, not so much. I have met him, but he didn't know who I was at the moment. To be honest, he actually didn't know I was ever born um until more recently when we got reunited oh my gosh you gotta have me on wait you wouldn't believe the stories i could tell but i know that's not what you want to talk about today i mean you have to have me on another time because this is a huge topic okay so (laughs) this this, i care too much podcast and at this point we are invested you're right uh, i can't wait too much but but you know what i wanted you to expound on that because i feel like the the people that have the, the most in their testimony uh, have a lot to offer uh, whoever's listening to this podcast, right? Like, we have listeners across the world that are now listening to this, and then somebody's going to get this, and they're going to hear this and say, hey, you know what? That's my story, too. Yep. Yeah. And this person's making a difference in the world, so I can do the same thing. So I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. thank um, you. So, for sure. Uh, so, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and one of the things we've been we've been discussing in the last episode was like the gender imbalance. It seems that women tend oh, yeah. to seek therapy a lot more than men. Can you speak to that, and, and what are reasons for that? Yeah, and to be honest, there is a huge imbalance, and I personally think it has a lot to do with culture. Um, and there mm-hmm. are so our culture. We're here in the United States. But some cultures actually don't utilize therapeutic services almost at all because it's culturally taboo. Um, it's not as taboo in our country, but 
um, I think what happens is men are taught kind of growing up, not everyone, but in general, that to be a man means to kind of hide your feelings, be tough, don't don't show really. And I actually think that that posture shows more weakness than strength, but this is just me and I'm a mental health professional, but you know, the people that are more grounded or have more courage are, are able to go there. Right. You know, and not feel Mm -hmm. like they're really like losing their sense of themselves. So I think that's a big part of it. And it is a shame because it's super important, just like working out, you know, our, our minds need care and there are plenty of things that come along the way that, cause little ruptures to the way that we operate Um, my niche around implicit memory has a lot to do with the brain so I can actually I don't want to get too nerdy on the show but but you know there are are things that just happen and there are relatively easy ways to fix them and people don't realize it and so they stay away from services and information that could really make a huge difference so it's it's a shame and 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 to be honest like i think this is related to gun violence sexual assault i I completely agree suicide addictions you know you Mm -hmm. can go on and on and at the core of it is men are men on untreated mental health issues that have treatments and it's a shame you know, we were talking about this unpopular on the last show. I was telling you, I was like, you know, in my adult life, I can't enjoy like certain things like Marvel movies or uh, Game of Thrones, even because yep. of the violence in inside it. Uh, it takes me to a place that I'm too familiar with, like in Absolutely. real life. Yep. Yeah, you know, like I grew up in DC in the '90s, and you know, it, it wasn't a you know, it was a good time. We made it a good time, but there was yeah. always an element of uh, surprise violence uh, very near to you. You right. know, if you weren't involved in it yourself, and I feel like it's it's traumatized me in a sense, and I, I've I've not dealt with that completely mm-hmm. in my adult life. And you two went to high school together here in D.C. Is that right? Calvin Coolidge, Coolidge yes. Colt. Shout out to Coolidge. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yes. Yes. So, so were there things you saw like during that time period while you were friends that that were violent? Oh yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to say, uh, I, I'm not sure if you were there, L, but our tenth grade like dance during homecoming, um, somebody got shot in front of <gasps> in in front of the building. Oh my god! As we were all going in, and it, it was a mad dash, and people, you know. But it, it, it was one of those things where it was like that was kind of the norm. Like, right. even that wasn't it wasn't a surprise. Like, I mean, you it was a surprise in the sense that you didn't expect it in that moment. But mm-hmm. things like that occurred, and you you've seen or been around it. So you back at school the next day, like you know, like nothing happened. Going, yeah, going through the the metal detectors and putting your bag on the conveyor belt. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, and there you are. You're conditioned to it, but that conditioning does something to you. Absolutely. And it's adaptive and it's protective, but oftentimes what I see when someone comes in, you know, they come in like, hey, look, therapy is a practice of change. People want something to change. They want Mm -hmm. their career path to be different. They want their relationship with themselves to be different. They want to change the moods that they feel, anxiety or depression. They want to 
change, you know, their gambling addiction or their screen addiction or their, you know, sex addiction or whatever. They want something to change. And oftentimes that change is usually an adaptation that at one point was important and helpful for their system. And it's outlived its usefulness. And I don't care what the thing is. I just listed a few things. I mean, I could say drug addiction, whatever. And, and at some level, whatever that thing was, or is serves a purpose in Mm -hmm. that person's psychological makeup. It provides either a sense of power, control, escape, relief. And, and you guys just talked about, Hey, there was a shooting in front of my fricking high school. And we walked through those doors every day and the metal detectors like, Hey, that's just my environment. So you numbed out. Mm-hmm. You said, you know what? Because the reality is if someone got shot in front of that high school, you can get shot in front of that high school. Exactly. But you, exactly. you dealt with it by numbing out and I'm going to make up something. But what if you're still numbed out and you're like trying to find that great partner, but you're like, Hey, what of, or like, or maybe there's a dangerous situation or maybe there's many dangerous situations and you're numbed mm-hmm. out. So you don't pick up on that kind of stuff and it happens over and over and over again i'm making up stuff but that numbing could get in the way kind of later in life in terms of things that you want to do honestly i I think now like for me specifically like it's causing me like a bit of anxiety like i'm very cautious about Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. where i am i look around i'm kind of jumpy yeah you know totally normal it's totally normal yeah Yeah. maybe in it, it kind of seems to, I've, and I've heard this concept before that um, I think the quote was, today's problems are the result of yesterday's solutions. Mm. Uh-huh. I love that. I like that, yeah. Um, I haven't heard that before, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it made a lot of sense to me. And it just, like stuff like that that happens to you when you're very young, it just changes your baseline. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, we could, I mean, we, we went off on this tangent, but this was, this was awesome. Let me tell you, yeah. thank, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're on this program with this Ju- uh, Dr. Lopez. <laughs> you um, can call me Julie. Julie, I'm, you know, I know you did not go through all those years. <laughs> Here okay. is. Right. <laughs> Wait, you, you want to hear something for real? I did not like school. Every time I was in school, I did not want to be there. Like high school, it doesn't matter. I was like, this is so boring. I'd rather be doing something else. And every time I finished, I was like, thank God, I'm never going to school again. And then right. like a few years later, I'd go back to right school. Right back at it. Oh, I, thought, I thought it was just me. <laughs> you did the same thing. Oh my god! You're still in school, yeah. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still in school. I am. Oh, what do you at saying? the very end? I am uh, finishing up my PhD in kinesiology. Look at you, little nerdy. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, but I hate school so much. I hate it. It's 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 so bad, Doc. I'm 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 like every time I talk to him on the phone, it's almost like he's in prison. I'm like, hey, when you getting out? <laughs> it's so bad. The syllabus, the projects, oh, the different yes. uh, the presentations, all of it. It's no good. You have sixty more seconds. <laughs> what? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so Dr. Lopez, I want to talk to Julie. I want to talk to you about um the resilient brain project. Cool. I love um, that. This is a free online resource and it's resilientbrainproject.com. Yep. Right. And uh, I was on there in the last couple of days myself, Anupama. Anupama, we found some very cool stuff. You want to talk about it? 
Yeah, uh, we found, um, let me get it out, actually. We found the uh, identity chart. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, Lamont and I both filled it out, and uh, we sent you our our little pictures. (laughs) Yeah, I like seeing those. Those are great. (laughs) Yeah, it was an interesting little exercise. And um, Yeah, so I I think it's, and this is only just one portion of the whole website. Yeah, it is uh, vast. Yeah, it, it is, is vast. Like Dipped our toes so, in. So that was under the identity section, right? Which, yeah. So we we did we um, targeted twelve areas of mental health, and then within each section, we have five subsections. And you pick something that was in the actions for now section, which is cool because yes. every area has stuff you can do in the moment to right. grow, learn, change what's going on in your body. And it's our way of trying to have people become more empowered about the way our systems work and, and to learn a lot about that. So you pick something in the identity section and you did this exercise. Yeah, so we did this identity chart and I'm just going to read the directions for our audience. It says you have to write your name or the name of a person or character in the circle that's in the middle of the page. At the ends of the arrows pointing outward, write words or phrases that describe what you consider to be key aspects of your identity. At the ends of the arrows pointing inward, write labels others might use to describe you and add more arrows as needed. Um, oh, I missed top, the adding more arrows part. Oh, well. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And I actually may have done the inverse uh, direction instruction, but it's all good. Because <laughs> <laughs> the idea behind this exercise is to look at and really strengthen or be aware of these various different layers and levels Absolutely. to identity that we all have. But you know what? And I laid it out. A lot of it is for me personally. I'll talk about mine. You know, I have daddy. I have husband. I have brother on there. Son. Very family related. Nephew. Uh, shout out to my aunt who just got a, a, a heart procedure done today. Shout out to you. Um, oh, man. But I also have friend. I also have homie. And I also put my current uh, employment title because I feel like that's very much so a part of me because I spend eight hours a day there uh, five times a week. Sure. You know? Um, but then also when when you when I look inward, I think about how uh, I put conscientious. I think I'm generous. I tip well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I tend to be very careful, but also in a sense anxious. Um, I tend to. I'm a team player. I'm always smiling. People will tell you I'm I'm always smiling all the time, even when I'm not feeling like smiling. Uh, I'm also searching. I'm in search of something all the time. I'm in search of something or more or something bigger or better. And then, uh, of course, loving and warm. There's a very warm side to me that I think people connect with. So that, that's mm-hmm. my circle. Um, yeah. Well, LT, can I ask you something about that? <clears throat> Absolutely. When you did this, did you do it all yourself? Or did you ask people around you uh-huh. about the arrows coming mm. in? On this a palm up. Up. Didn't I say that? Didn't it, I say that? It came <laughs> up, yeah. I, you know what? We, we did this independently because I felt like, you know, this is something that I, if I'm gauging how others have told me that I make them feel, this is what I will put. You know what I mean? Well, it's yeah. a very different exercise depending on if you, if you write words that you think that this is how I think other people see me versus asking people how they see you. Right. But they're both different and valuable exercises, I think. 
Well, yeah. actually, you've got two people that have known you a long time on the show right now, right? You've got your high school friend and you've got your work friend. So I wonder if there's something mm. you would add to what LT put on there for an oh, arrow going in. Oh, I wish I had it in front of me. I can look at it. Jeffro, oh, Jeffro, right. I think like you. you well, he Jeffro just listed them off. Better than, than, than a lot on of people. Yeah, oh, yeah okay. he did. He did. Um, where did it go? But uh, I mean, that. Oh, here we go. No, I don't see I, it. I think, I, I think one of the words I, I would. I would use to describe you as like driven. Like I think in anything that you, you know, well, I, well, I, yeah, I guess I'll explain it, but anything that you, you know, you put your mind to, you say you're going to do like you, you get it done. Awesome. I would Reset. say, I would say you were good humored. Like I've never seen you look bummed out. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. That's awesome. I try to, I, yeah, I try to wear it well, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, you so, might so, be so. saying, you know, the world is going to, you know, various expletives, but you, yeah, you but don't wear it on your face. Yeah, no, you <laughs> I try to keep an optimistic outlook, but you yeah. know what the main takeaway I got from this, Doctor Lopez, was uh, my grandfather. He was a big part of my life, and he passed away yeah. in two thousand and one. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but I tell you, I still miss him. He was uh, the model man for me. And, I ne- you know, the one thing I took away from him was that he was a lot of things to a lot of people. And, you know, when I look at this chart, I see that I have now kind of stepped into his shoes. In oh. a sense. Ooh, yeah. that's a big thing right there. You know, if you talk to, I mean, his his funeral was standing room only. I mean, his, <laughs> you know, he impacted so many people, even in D.C. And, like, it, it's just, I try to model myself after him because he's, like, he was a conscientious person. He was, a, you know, he was a father, brother, all that. And I, that's the one thing I took away from this identity chart is I feel like I'm now morphing into what I, I held him to be. That's pretty powerful. Anyway. That's my takeaway. Anna Palma, what do you got? <laughs> Me? Oh boy. Um let's talk about it. <laughs> she went she went deep on hers. I did. I did. Well, I mean, I do, like I said last time, I do go to all of the therapy. <laughs> um, I go to both individual and group, and I just t- tonight I came from group. So I'm ready oh, okay. to go deep. Awesome. Uh, yeah, like for me, this was a lot, this kind of, so the things I put on here um, about the, like the way I um, identify myself, uh, I put baker and chef and comic because I, I, I always am trying to be funny um, and I, I, I haven't done it in a long time, but I, <laughs> I did do a good bit of stand-up comedy here in you know, around DC. Oh my gosh, oh, wow, I'm obsessed okay. with stand-up comedy. Oh, Me too. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't know you could just like get up on stage and do stuff like that. And actually, Lamont just did it recently <laughs> too. So I, I, I had a yeah. small five minutes. I had a little five minutes. Oh, good. awesome! Five yeah. minutes is no joke. Yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, that is a long time on stage. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, I put down yogini because I um, I'm very connected to yoga. Um, and here's where we start to go deep. <laughs> I put unwanted because this oh, wow. is something that's always in the background for me. I'm always feeling like maybe people don't want me there. Um, wow. Yeah. And other things I put down, I put Indian and American. I put aunt because um, that's a big part of my life, my niece. Um, and I put depressive because I definitely am. And I, I think I have fun with it, though, being a depressive. <laughs> <laughs> um and then, and then the, for the, the things, the part, the, the thing of, of putting down how I think people see me, that's where I kind of felt some feelings, like some, like, God, I, I, people don't see me how I want to be seen. Um, I think people see me as quiet and small and just Indian, um, not, not at all American, um, they definitely see me as a chef, and that's that's a very fulfilling thing for me. Um, they see me as funny and kind and smart. And then here's another deep one is uh, useless. Hmm. Kind of hmm. goes with the unwanted. Right. So those are – that's my deep stuff right there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when I saw that, I actually – and here's my lens – yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder if she's an adoptee, too, because oh. the unwanted part resonates for me and for a lot of people who are, you know, given away by your family. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually I'm not an adoptee, um, but I think I mean, there's there's some family stuff there, but there's also race because um, I grew up. I grew up in a place that was just like almost totally white. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there were just subtle ways all the time and, and not so subtle ways that I felt like the other. Um, and that, you know, and it wasn't until I left and went to college where there were, a, there was a lot more diversity that I realized, wow, back in school, people didn't talk to me the way they talked to each other. And you, know? you, and you felt that, right? Listen, so mm -hmm. here's my segue mm -hmm. into implicit memory, right? You, mm -hmm. your system felt that. And it yep. resonated with you. And yep. it wasn't something someone said. It was, Well, maybe there, those were sprinkled in there too. But it was so invisible that you didn't really realize it until you were out of it. Yeah. Or when you had a different experience, mm. you're like, wow, like people are interfacing with me differently. But I never mm. knew it. And it had an imprint on you. Because yeah. that's the story you chose to share to illustrate feeling kind of unwanted. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so somewhere in your implicit memory, which I'll explain what it is, there was an imprint, like an imprint that said, you're not a part of this and yep. you don't fit in here and you aren't a comfortable kind of presence for us, yeah. whatever that is. No one said that to you, but you felt it. And there were probably subtle ways that you experienced that by a glance or a or a tone or a, a cadence or a posture. Mm. 
And this is the language of implicit memory. And um, so just to define it, do you mind if I I talk a little bit about that? Please. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Implicit memory is a part of the unconscious. We have Mm -hmm. explicit memory, which is the stuff we remember. And implicit memory, which we don't remember consciously. Mm. We remember or we operate off of it in a non-intellectual way. Mm, It's retained Mm. in the body. It's retained in, well, I guess the body if it's the whole entity, but it's these codes that are stored in well i a metaphor i use for implicit memory is this hidden control panel in your brain Mm -hmm. and it says to you and not in language i'm just going to use language for the podcast it says you're not wanted right Mm -hmm. but you don't even consciously conclude that you just have the sense and then that sense informs the way you approach groups and the way you think of yourself and the way you make decisions and you're not even really aware of it right Mm. so there are three that's an example of emotional effective implicit memory and that's the one that i'm most interested in because it's most related to human behavior and self-esteem and um and success frankly um a lot of the roadblocks we have in life around performance or success come out of our implicit memory and the cool thing is you can change it we have a lot of different ways that you can change what's encoded there and so anyway the other two which you've probably heard of um, are procedural like riding a bike you don't have to Mm -hmm. think about it anymore it moves out of your conscious memory because you've repeated it so many times professional athletes you know you you learn a series of moves on the soccer field you don't think about them anymore and that would allow what allows you to add on to those moves it becomes more and more complex based on your level of play because it's moving into your procedural memory right and and priming you oftentimes people think of it in terms of advertising right there's an image and a feeling and a sound and it's then influencing your purchasing behaviors and it's all tapping a part of your implicit memory through priming to influence what you do. So anyway, that was emotional, effective, implicit memory. I could go more into depth on this, but it's super cool. There are well, so many ways to change it. And it ultimately can lead to very, very different felt states in the body. Wow. Mm. Well, well, Dr. Lopez, wow. you have a book. You sent me a, uh, a link to a book. Uh, oh, yes. Live, Live in Power. Let, let's talk about that. It's all about implicit memory. But my publisher said, hey, if you're trying to write this for regular people, you cannot have a title that says implicit memory. Because right, they'll no. be like, what? They're going to skip right over that. <laughs> I'll be like, I don't want to read that. And actually, most of the editing that we did on the book had to do with making very certain that it was easy to read for someone who was a non-clinician and it made sense. So. Okay. It's a book about implicit memory. It kind of explains what it is. It explains all these different ways that you can move it and change it. There are a lot of stories. And more importantly, it's written like a handbook to help empower the reader around next steps. Because the key to implicit memory is it does not speak the language of words and logic and intellect. It's like saying to someone who has a drug addiction problem, 
hey man you got to stop using that fill in the right. blank right. and they're like mm. oh my gosh you're so right i should do that it's done right it doesn't it does not. i'm cured it's a i'm miracle. cured it's a miracle or like hey you're oh my God. you're a healthy weight you can eat food now you don't have to starve yourself it's like oh that's great well it doesn't work that way so right. what what where the usually what's underneath those types of things or really honestly any roadblock and i could give different examples is some of that imprint in implicit memory. And for you, Anupama, because you've actually invested in your individual and group therapy, you're probably seeing the way some of these things play out, right? In your relationships or in your life. Because if the assumption is you're not wanted, even if you are very wanted or valued or whatever, we tend to self-sabotage and it's because it's based on the codes in that hidden control panel. So the, the book is about, Actually, there's an appendix in the back that has a chart with links to all these different types of ways to move implicit memory, either with a therapist or not. Um, But they're all nonverbal. The language of implicit memory is to move stuff without words. Um, So expressive therapies, brain-based therapies, body-based therapies, things like meditation and mindfulness. Um, if used in a targeted way, can actually move what's in your implicit memory. Oh my gosh. So mm-hmm. it's got all that, plus it's got um, testimonials. It has um, kind of things to think about when you're investing in one of these types of endeavors. And it's, yeah, it's easy to read and meant to, meant to empower people to have more compassion for themselves and to understand why you know, some of these more talk-based modalities don't always get at the substantive moves that they want to make in their body and in their system. I'm so curious if there's like an example that you can talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Like a case example. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Actually, here's a great one because it's, it's a, it's pretty clean and neat. You can imagine for me telling you about my early years and I haven't even told you the heavy stuff. We'll, we'll save it for another time, but, um, and I'd love, that is my heart, like my tribe, my adopted people. So I'd love to talk about it another time. But I'm going to give you this example because it's a person who had a relatively, relatively non-traumatic childhood. I didn't know they existed, but they do. And uh, <laughs> this person, though, had been in a plane crash as an adult. Oh, my God. Ooh. Yeah. And survived Sheesh. it. And oh um, he had gone immediately into work with a certain type of therapist because he had worked very, very hard to have a pretty prestigious position at his company and it required Uh, international travel. So this plane crash, he did have a back injury, but he came out alive, passed out when it was happening and woke up to all of the, all of the things, right? The emergency personnel, Mm -hmm. the people screaming, the like injured people, the, all of it. Like a TV show. Terrible. And he could not even go to the airport without having a full blown panic attack, like curled on the floor, like couldn't breathe, Mm -hmm. heart racing. And, you know, his company wasn't going to fire him, but he was in danger of being demoted and moved to another area mm-hmm. because he couldn't fly. He was like only going to domestic types of events and he was taking these long train rides. He, it was screwing up his life. So he went wow. to a therapist and understood everything about what had happened, knew that he had flown many, many times in his long career 
knew the statistics around cars versus planes and how safe planes are. He knew everything. He had tried to do some of the desensitization, but it just was not working. So he got referred to me. We did one of those advanced kind of brain-based therapies, very little talking. We targeted a neural pathway that had formed in this primal part of his brain that said, that said sounds, smells, sights, you know, sensations affiliated with an airport, airplanes, air travel, you know, equals death, basically. That's what the code looked like, right? It wasn't, again, it wasn't explicit, but that was the Dr. Lopez, you you workshopped his his treatment. You workshopped his therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we worked in a nonverbal way, and I am not kidding. If you've talked to anyone who's done therapy, oftentimes it's a long endeavor. This is like shortcutting this whole process, and we basically in his brain took that code like a computer and 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 worked it through desensitized it from the experience that he'd had which he again he passed out right he wasn't even conscious but it was in his body and then we reattached it to the Mm. many many times that he'd flown and things had been fine and things had been relaxing so we we tapped into these adaptive memory networks and it only took three months. The, the, one thing, the one thing I want people to take away from this is that I think this, the one of the myths or one of the stigmas around therapy is that you're going to go and you're going to sit across the couch from somebody and they're going to have a pencil and they're going to be like, well, how does that make you feel? Yeah, yeah then, that's not, but, but, we have yeah, moved well right. beyond that. Right? <laughs> yeah. we but, have but that's, moved. A, that's one of the myths and I think that's one of the stigmas that, that keep people from seeking therapy when you know, this is this is a muscle, as you put it earlier. Yeah. This is a muscle that you're working. You're trying to build a right. muscle that has been weakened by some kind of traumatic experience. Right. Exactly. And people, people, I, I was mentioning this to Lamont. People have told me, "Well, a therapist isn't going to solve my problems," and and that's true. That that is true. Your therapist is yeah. not that is solve true. Problems. And if you go to a therapist and they're trying to solve your problems, that is not a good match. That's not how that works because what they're doing is they're acting in the just like you work out with a trainer. They're gonna. They're getting you. They're help, facilitating you, like helping you get your to a, pl- a place where you can solve your problem. Right. Yeah. Totally. I love that analogy. That's good, and That's it's awesome. accurate. And it's uh, accurate. Another thing I wanted to touch on too earlier, we were talking about how things make you feel. That reminds me of that Maya Angelou quote that I always throw in when I can. Yeah. Uh, you might not remember what people say, but you remember how they made you feel. Absolutely. Oh, good. Yeah, good for sure. Hey, you know what? I have a favorite Maya Angelou quote. What is it? Turn your face towards the sun and the shadows fall behind you. Whoa. Actually, you know what? I just remembered something. She she quoted that, but I forgot. It's actually an ancient Maori proverb, but she said it and I love her. Absolutely. My Absolutely. first daughter is named Maya because oh, I wow. love that. Oh, that wow. <laughs> yeah. That's She's dope. amazing. That's, That's dope. beautiful. Okay. Wow, I want to um, come see you now. <laughs> yeah, right. We need to make a field trip. Look, right, right. Come visit me. I'm here in D.C. How We're downtown. How can people find you? How can people find you? So the center, well, I should say this. I don't do, obviously, I don't do traditional therapy, but um, everyone else at my center, there are 25 practitioners, all trauma-informed practitioners, which, by the way, have you guys talked about trauma-informed? We it not- doesn't. It doesn't mean that someone only does trauma. It's a philosophy and a way of looking at the human system that says, hey, 
when there's symptoms that you're struggling with or things you want to change, it comes out of some type of injury to your psychological and mental health, right? Mm -hmm. And that injury Mm -hmm. could be a big T trauma or a little T trauma, but there's something that has interrupted your flow and has caused, you know, some type of like challenge to the way that you're experiencing relationships or yourself. And, and so that philosophy also is more expedient. Mm. It gets to results faster because you're dealing with root causes rather than trying to placate symptoms. Um, So anyway, we're in Duper circle, um, www.vivapartnership.com. Um, Everyone there does, you know, the weekly, twice a week, every other week, whatever, regular therapy. I only Mm -hmm. do intensives. Mm -hmm. So I do this so that people can come in from out of town. If they do, typically I'll see them for two days. So we'll do real intensive stuff. I require that they've got someone back home that they can debrief with or that they're in (laughs) care. Because imagine, let me just pretend that that we rewired kind of that feeling, that deeper feeling of feeling unwanted. And, and you were like, dang, I don't feel that in my body anymore. I like, just don't feel it. Well, you already know dance steps in your life, right? That, Uh that you just do because you've learned how to manage that and cope with that. Uh Okay. Well, put, put me on the mailing list. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like we should at least uh, at some point meet or discuss something. Uh, You know, this is going to be a continual relationship. Hopefully. Is the, is the, is the middleman an Amish dude in Lancaster? (laughs) 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 On another episode, I have to tell y'all about how I used to go to, uh, Pennsylvania to get pit bull puppies and bring them. Oh, I remember sell them. that. So, uh, but that's a whole nother episode. Oh, yes, it is. Dr. <laughs> we're not gonna hold you any longer. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Oh, uh, we appreciate you. Oh, uh, thank you this. so much for having me. I love your energy. It's Uh-oh. awesome. <laughs> How'd you come up with the name? <laughs> uh, it's one of those Tell things. Tell me, Jeffro, like me and Jeffro, man, we go way back. That's my yeah. brother, for real. So, like. Um, it's, it's one of those things where like, I feel like ultimately we all care excessively about something. So we care moderately about something to compartmentalize something, but then we care excessively about other things. Right. So like, uh, even in the show Seinfeld, where they say it's a show about nothing, it wasn't really a show about nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it was a show about a bunch of instances in which one of them cared excessively about something. Mm-hmm. And I think it captured like uh, double dipping a chip. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Perfect example. Right? <laughs> so we're just those type of people. We kind of chop yeah. it up in that sense and we would go on rants and be like, oh, you care too much, dude. Right, and right. So <laughs> right. It just, it just kinda <laughs> yeah. It's so funny oh, too. I love like it. everywhere, awesome. every time I travel, I either wear my I care too much shirt or my I care too much hoodie. And somebody stops me and says, like, I really love your shirt. Or you know they'll they ask me, me, what do you care so much about? Oh. You know what they say to me? They say, what? no, there's no That's such awesome. thing. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, I, I've gotten that, too. I've gotten I that, say, too. I say, you might be wrong. I'm like, right, might be right. Wrong. Oh, wait, w- we could do a whole other episode on when that's, when right. that's uh-huh. a problem. <laughs> we'd, we'd call it. Right, yeah, right. Like I can give a whole, I can give you a whole bunch of examples. 
where <laughs> anyway but that's another another time but I, where can i get oh, my merchandise yeah, where can say. i get my merch oh, oh, sure. uh, yeah we're, we're, we're working we're working on it. we're working on it we are trying to cut out the middle oh, okay. yeah i said i love your energy it is awesome thank thanks you so for much. having thank me you thank so you. much shout out to all our listeners the i care too much podcast all eight of y'all yeah uh, we love you listening. Uh, we appreciate every last listening. Mom, Y'all, dad. All names on my identity right. chart, for sure. Okay, uh, folks, we're, we're signing off. Uh, and as always, we got to say peace. 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 <laughs> Relearning stuff and engaging with stuff differently. Just because you take away the thing that's painful or that is hard doesn't you automatically know the new dance steps but it sure does make it easier right it's like then when you really read the self-help book you're like yeah. yes mm-hmm. i can implement this because this other stuff right. isn't Absolutely. getting in my way Absolutely. um yeah dr lopez so, i feel like we're gonna have to have you on here uh another, another yes oh, absolutely at least one you're more like time. wait you're like don't give that lady a mic she just keeps on talking <laughs> like that's a good topic and you, that's a good it's, topic it's so much we can unpack here um i just i'm so thankful that you joined us at all thank you for being a part of the i care too much podcast tonight yes, thank, thank you thank you so Indeed. much for having me um can i ask you guys a question sure. am pm it's critical